It's when Thor says to Tony Stark, you have no idea what you're dealing with. And uh, Tony says, uh, he looks around at the woods and he says, what, Shakespeare in the park? Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? This is Movie Bite, a show where we discuss and heap praise on the Avengers. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's a show where we discuss, praise, lament, and sometimes we lampoon movies, TV shows, culture, and more. The show's hosted by me. I'm TJ Draper, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joseph Darnell. How are you, Joseph? Good evening, TJ. I'm glad to be back. I'm doing great. Excellent. All right. Well, we should uh, dive right in. Did you like? Do you like how I opened the show there with? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not so uh, careful, uh, subtle Freudian slip there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about Skyfall. I posted a little bit about this um, uh, earlier today, uh, which will be to, uh, yesterday by the time people listen to this. Yeah. So on uh, MovieByte.com. TJ wrote up a link here for new images that came out related to Skyfall, the latest James Bond movie coming out this uh, October. Is it? Uh, or is it November? Yeah, I, I can't remember for sure, but I have to admit, I have not seen any of the previous. I've never been a big Bond fan, and so I couldn't see why I'd want to go see the new Bonds. But they are, I understand, altogether different from what's come before with John Connery or, uh, you know, uh, Remington Steele actor, what's his name? Yeah, so, no, I know who you. I know what you mean. Here's Brosnan. Now, wait a minute. So you're saying you've never seen any Bond films? I have not. I just just never appealed to me. I've seen like parts of them and stuff on maybe TV or something. I was flipping through channels in the hotel, just like this is stupid. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so wow, you, you are you are so you are such a special person, TJ. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so, but I'm, I, I'm thinking I need to go and, and watch Quantum of Solace and what was the first one? Um, or was that the first one? Uh, Casino Royale, Casino Royale was, the first. was the first one of the new Bonds with with. Uh, but well, here's the thing about Skyfall. I I think that Daniel Craig makes an awesome Bond. Now, the uh, Quantum of Solace though was a huge disappointment, Uh-oh. and it it had made a lot of people nervous about its franchise. Um, after Quantum of Solace, there was actually some debate, leastways publicly. The general public wasn't too crazy about seeing another Bond film after that one because it just so ruined, ruined a potentially good story. And it didn't matter who was in the movie or what kind of budget they had. But do you know why it was such a major flop? I don't. Tell me. It, it happened right in the midst of the writer's strike. Oh, okay. Now, now this is all starting to come together. Now, Daniel Craig was already signed on. So was the director. The studio was already committed to it. And if uh, if I remember my facts straight, the screenplay writer he already had a stab at the at the first draft or so. He had he had some of the script written, but when the strike happened, it happened while he was in writing. Mm. But the production had to carry on. So uh, is this one of the weird things? I cannot believe this even happened. Uh, but Daniel Craig and the director both wrote some lines for the movie. Okay. Interesting, uh, and and you could and you know you're kind of like okay Daniel Craig wow writing some some lines okay well let's see what he's got and if you just watch the movie you'll realize wow it, it, it just it's terrible it's terrible and it shows that the the what a difference good writers make mm-hmm. so with Casino Royale you had pretty decent writing and pretty decent acting pretty decent uh, action and they made a pretty dull story pretty interesting 
Uh, you know, you know, Casino Royale is actually based on the original novel by the author who created the character James Bond. Okay. And so uh, it was called Casino Royale, and it was very drab, according to those who have read the thing, because it, it, it predated the, the movie, it predated any comic book ab- adaptation. The author was actually writing it as a novel, and you can imagine, without a point of reference of what Bond would later become, the author wasn't telling the story as this action thriller guy you know, the, around the, the character of Bond. It wasn't an action story, per se. So it, it mostly centered around card games going on at the casino. And so it was a fairly drab story, and the movie did a great job of adapting it. Um, but anyway, I, I guess that's all I really have to say, except I'm, I'm really looking forward to Skyfall. I'm impressed with the trailer and with this little featurette where they talked about the making of the beginning. Yeah, I have to admit that uh, it, it has me intrigued, the trailers and stuff, so I really want to go back now and watch the first two so I can get caught up to speed. So, um, the la- Oh, yeah, the last thing to mention here is that Sam Mendes, the director, I think that's how you pronounce it, Mendes. I think so. He's also the, the director and producer of The Road to Perdition, and that's a pretty pretty well-known film. It's uh, pretty significant, so... Although he hasn't made all that many other great films, uh, directed that many other films at all, uh, he's got some some notable notable ones. So uh, so here's hoping. Yeah. All right, Joseph. There is a new television show on NBC produced by J.J. Abrams. Are you familiar with it? Mm, you mentioned this, I think, last week, I and did. then I saw that it was on television. But I don't keep up with you know actual current television. I I keep uh, getting my shows when they come late to Netflix. Mm. Well, so tell is, me about this one. Well, this is on Hulu, so it's day after. Unfortunately, there's no first run TV on Hulu yet. But uh, there, um, so I'm watching it on Hulu the day after it airs. A well, sometime, um, go ahead. sometime we should talk about Hulu because I hate Hulu. I, but, you know uh, what? Uh, I, I canceled Hulu for quite a while, and the Apple TV has uh, made me rethink that. I'm really liking it on the Apple TV. Hmm. Um, but it may have to do with the fact that the shows that I want are actually available, and there are some that aren't. There actually is one that is not. Um, hmm. But if you watch shows that aren't, it's not available on the Apple TV, then that would be a problem. So Revolution... A uh, very interesting concept, and this is, I always find J.J. Abrams has very interesting concepts, or at least the stuff that comes from his bad robot company. I don't know how directly involved J.J. Abrams might be at this point. Um, Revolution, basically, the pilot shows us, there's going to be a few spoilers here, if you want, if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want it to be spoiled, maybe fast forward this part. All right, so, um, the, the pilot shows us, we start in modern day. Uh, guy comes home to his wife. Obviously, he's going to d- be developing into a character in this fil- in this uh, series or whatever. Uh, he says, it's happening. It's time. Uh, it's, it's going down. We don't know what yet, but then all of a sudden, uh, all the, all, we're, we uh, cut to his brother who's uh, on a phone call with him. The phone goes dead. The car dies. All the lights on the uh, – and it cuts to the – you can see the whole freeway. All the cars uh, die. Uh, the lights on the cars go out. All the electricity goes out. Something has happened so that electricity does not work. Uh, and I don't know how much that affects other things, but we know for sure the electricity doesn't work. And so then it cuts, to 50, you know, all of a sudden we're 15 years later and we're seeing what's uh, happening now. Um, it's a very interesting concept. Um, and we're, we're kind of getting the impression, they're leading us to believe at least, that this is a, some man somewhere, this is man-made, this is not a natural, like, naturally 
obviously the laws of physics haven't changed. Something is keeping electricity from working. And it's a, you know, when you think about it, I mean, like they had a, in the second episode, they had a really touching part where, um, this woman, uh, she, uh, one of the characters is carrying around her, uh, old iPhone. And the guy says, why do you always carry that thing around? And she, she um, finally, she just completely breaks down. She says, you know, the only pictures I have of my children, and, and I think this is a woman who's stuck in the United States, and she, she has an English accent, and her children are in England, and obviously the infrastructure is not in place for unpowered ships to be crossing the ocean at this point. Uh, but she says, the only pictures I have of my children are somewhere in this device, and someday I want to see them again. Um, so anyway, oh. you kind of get a feel for the concept. It's a really, I think it's a really great concept. I mean, and it's really relevant because uh, we rely so much now on our electronic devices. I mean, I don't know where I'd be without my. I was I was without cell reception most of the day today, and it was not a big deal. But at the same time, it's like, hey, I you know, <laughs> I have no, I have no yeah. connection. Um, so it's it, brutal. And even if you have the technology sitting right in front of you, like I did today, when but I'm making a switch between one computer to another. <laughs> you oh, realize yeah, on totally. this new computer, I have no access to anything. I got to set up everything yep. all over again. That's why I always work wow. from my one computer, even though it might be slower. I usually always work from my laptop because it's set up the way I want. So I know exactly what you mean. And it, so that's why that's what make this makes this concept so compelling is you can really look. And see, I mean, they even showed scenes where there had obviously been riots in the street. They had flashbacks where um, uh, people were, were ro- trying to steal food because they were hungry. Uh, all this stuff we become so reliant on. And so it really hits home. I mean, it's a really compelling plot line for a TV show, I think. You know, anything that J.J. Abrams touches, I think, is worth taking a look at. And, you know, although he does have a reoccurring theme of disasters and the like, um, yeah, disasters haven't been well explored and they haven't been well executed until J.J. Abrams came along. I mean, there's been some other good stuff. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that all other disaster films uh, are lacking, but yeah, he has really taken them up a notch so that you don't feel like it's just a disaster film with cardboard cutouts getting crushed. You know, well, <laughs> these are these are people that are really fleshed out. Yeah, so that well, they, he interweaves a lot of great drama. Another another thing that he seems really good at, at least with Fringe and with the one season we got of the awesome TV show Alcatraz. Still so irritated about that. Um, he really has a sense for how to develop characters that you fall in love with. I mean, uh, are you? Do you watch Fringe? Please tell me you watch Fringe. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you, you uh, if you did watch Fringe, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. And for our listeners who do watch Fringe, they'll know what I'm talking about. You fall in love with your main characters. I mean, I love all four. Uh, I get, I get five. I love all five of the main characters in Fringe. You've got. Um, Anna Torv, um, I'm trying to think of the character's name in the show, Olivia. You've got Olivia, you've got Peter, you've got Walter Bishop. I mean, who doesn't love Walter? He's such a great character and so well-realized, and his, he's a very strange character. I mean, he's kind of this mad scientist type who lost his mind a few years back, and, you know, uh, he, he has really great characters. I'm finding that about Revolution now as well. I'm starting to get into the character development, and that's what makes J.J. Abrams shows great usually, so... Um, you, you have in here you wanted to talk about, I think I alluded to the fact that this TV show is now doomed because I like it so much. Uh, and that, 
Man, so it seems well, like Well, we are seeing a reoccurring theme that anything you especially <laughs> enjoy uh it uh <laughs> it gets uh canceled, but then anything you don't especially care about is really popular. <laughs> yeah, well, I I think that just speaks to the world's bad taste. <laughs> there you go. That's um, the truth. The truth finally comes out. But the I, truth will set you free. I was just tallying up just a few of the shows that have been canceled that I really loved. Um Stargate Atlantis. Um and it ended Fairly gracefully, but they did cancel it. It was really annoying, and 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 started up Stargate Universe uh, in its place, which was a horrible, uh, horrible TV show. Um, Stargate Atlantis was such a great TV show. Fringe, it's getting a graceful landing, but we only have thirteen more episodes. They ordered a thirteen episode, basically wrap it up, take thirteen episodes and wrap it up, and that's all we're getting. We're done. Uh, I have been so blessed that there hasn't been one television show that I. Uh, started watching, got into that got canceled. Yeah, the the Finder, uh, a spinoff of Bones. Loved the, the TV show was turning into something good, and they canceled it. Uh, Alcatraz <laughs> really, really fell in love with that show, and they canceled it. So I'll have to look up Alcatraz. I bet it's up it's, on Netflix. You know, now. it's really irritating. Um, it's it's on Hulu. It's really irritating because it it wasn't meant to end. It was canceled disgracefully, but it's worth watching because it's a really great concept. And I hope, I wish somebody somewhere would pick it up and continue it and, and finish it. So, well, JJ, maybe you will. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a JJ uh, production. So, um, anyway. Hmm. Okay, so that wraps up Revolution. We have one other side item to, to talk about today before we get to our very unique review today, and also something special we're going to share with you. If you haven't already been following Movie Bites website, we got a special little surprise for you. So we'll tell you that right after this. Fire with Fire. And yes. by the way, no, this is not a promo. This is more of the content, okay? Fire with Fire. TJ, you introduced this to me, and this actually looks really good. Especially and for again, a low-budget a, film. It's a little mysterious. <laughs> low budget. Yeah. 20 million. Well, low okay. Budget. Low budget compared to, uh, say, the Avengers, which we're going to be talking about in a moment. Well, it is worth noting that it is a Lionsgate uh, DVD product, entertain- a home entertainment movie. But the names in this movie. So we got Josh Duhamel, Bruce Willis, Rosio Dawson, and uh, somebody else I'm not familiar with, Vincent D'Onofrio. So anyway, it's straight to DVD, but it's called Fire with Fire. And the DV, uh, the uh, trailer, which is uh, findable from the link in our show notes, it's very impressive. It looks like a real decent action film. You know, like, okay, let's watch this one. Yeah, I just uh, wanted- Some guy in witness protection, you know, his life goes awry and he has to, you know, defend himself. So it goes on the offensive. Yeah, I did want to correct. Uh, you said Rosie uh, O. Dawson or something like that. It's Rosario Dawson. Did I say that? Yeah. I so didn't mean to say that. Yeah, it, she's she's the actress from uh, Men in Black 2. Uh, it's what I've seen her in. I know she's been in a few other things. But uh, anyway, it does really look like a great uh, film. And um, I, yeah, Josh Duhamel was very notable for his character in, uh, really it was the first time that he got noticed, was in the first Transformers movie. Now, I, uh, I don't like bringing up Transformers. <laughs> TJ, you know that. Yes, I know. But I'll the thing you is- this once. Thank you. Well, well, <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna have to forgive me again. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> but Josh Duhamel, he uh, he was in Transformers, and he was pretty much the only thing I didn't have a problem with. He, he his character was was well rounded. He played uh, the uh, the military leader. He's got his band of soldiers that he uh, leads through the desert 
narrowly escapes some Decepticons out in the field, and then he ends up back in the city and involved with uh, the uh, secret organizations that have hidden the Transformers from society, and one thing leads to the next. He ends up being a war hero. Uh, so yeah, he did a great job there, and then he ended up being in a few other films, a good, a few good chick flicks. Uh, I can't believe I just said that, <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, but jo- Josh is all right. So okay. uh, him with Bruce Willis, yeah, and so it looks like a good team. And I, I liked Rosario Dawson, and the one thing I've seen her in, so um, Men in Black too. So yeah, this should be a good film, and and it has a, I, I think, a very interesting uh, plot. Uh, it looked to me like. And so, from the trailer, anyway, and you know trailers can be misleading, but uh, I'm very interested in it, even though it's going straight to DVD. That usually means it's not that great of a film, I, but I, I don't know what happened here, because it looks like it's a great film. So, The only thing that I, I noticed in the trailer that I, I didn't especially care for is how many times they, they're, sh- they're holding guns ready to shoot, you know, like regular hand pistols, and they're locking their elbows. Yeah. Seriously, Hollywood, <laughs> you, you gotta know better. In case you don't know better, you're not supposed to lock your elbows when you're holding a firearm about to shoot. And every, uh, they show like 50 times in this one, one trailer, about 50 times, the characters are, you know, ready to fire and they got their elbows locked. Uh, whatever. That's not, no, no. Professionals know better. Yes. Maybe that is why this movie's not in theaters. It could be, but I doubt it. Um, I've, I've certainly seen bad gun work before, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm going to be interested in checking that out. And I'm I'm, I'm going to put it on my list to watch at some point soon. So, uh, all right, uh, I think we're ready to get to our main topic. Yeah, let's. Yeah. But before we do that, well, you know what I'm excited about, Joseph? <laughs> what are you excited about? We're doing DJ? Movie Bites first giveaway, but you know what makes me sad is we only have 21 entries, and it makes me feel sad because I'm really trying to get a lot more activity on this. Oh, people, people, please. Don't you want something really nice? And don't you want it for free for very little effort? Of course you do. The truth is. Of course they do. Yeah, and and we're your friends. We wouldn't uh, mislead you. The truth is, this is a pretty dang good offer. Um, TJ got the idea, and so we said, well, heck, why not? We we love our our readers. We love our listeners. So, um, you know, if you're you're an Avengers fan like we are, we want to share a little love with you. We, we got yeah. this uh, special uh, contest going on. All right, so here's what you do. If if for some reason, and you know, God forbid that this be the case, because we want you to come and read Movie Byte, but if you've subscribed to the podcast and you don't ever come back to the Movie Byte site, what you do is you go to moviebyte.com, and you will see in the sidebar, it was featured for a while up in the left, but now it's over in the sidebar, special giveaway. Watch Loki get pummeled again and again. You click on that, it'll take you to the article, you leave a comment. And uh, tell us that you want to be entered in the drawing. And uh, we will draw uh, later in the day. This is going to be released on Friday. We're recording Thursday night. It's going to be released on Friday. Later in the day on Friday, we're going to end entries. And we're going to choose. We're going to draw a name. And uh, the person whose name is drawn will get a free copy. Either it can be a Blu-ray or uh, we can gift it to you via iTunes. Or if you have another preference, we'll try to work with you. Uh, But you will get a free copy of... Avengers on uh, in HD, so it's very exciting to me. Yeah. So um, please go enter. And, and if you haven't seen the Avengers, now we're going to give you all the good reasons why you should. Yeah, and we'll we'll also put the link to this giveaway in the show notes. The show bo- show notes, by the way, can be found at moviebyte.com uh, slash mb podcast slash eleven because this is our eleventh episode, 
And that's where you can find the show notes. Uh, if you have something like Instacast, it'll automatically pull the show notes in, and you can just get to them right there in your app. So let's talk about the Avengers. All right. Well, first off, I want to observe that... Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about this movie's success? It's been a major success. Ran away. Uh, ran away with the box office. Yeah, and now, most people probably have heard that, but... It'd be pretty. It'd be helpful to get a picture of just what kind of success we're talking I, about. Yeah, I, I actually the numbers are meaningless to me. I have to see the numbers and how many commas are in it. I I, I want to just okay. There are three commas in this number. Okay, worldwide total domestic. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mixing my words here. Worldwide gross is one trillion five hundred eleven million two hundred eighty eight thousand one hundred and sixty two dollars one trillion five hundred eleven million dollars okay that 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 is uh, okay like like if a, if a movie just made five hundred eleven million that'd be a lot this made <laughs> this made three times that right is that right five yeah three times that five hundred one trillion five hundred eleven million just think about that for a minute there are three commas in this number <laughs> it's it's wow. incredible and domestically, it made six hundred and twenty-two million. Yeah, and you know what the the film originally, the budget, its estimated budget was uh, two hundred and twenty million. But uh, just to give you an idea of how successful, I mean that that's that's a huge budget. But to give you an idea of how successful this film is, opening weekend, it made two hundred and seven. Sorry, yeah, two hundred and seven million back. So it almost made its its admittedly large production budget back on opening weekend. Yeah, exactly. It's that's astounding, and this is a this is a superhero film we're talking about here. Yeah, uh, and and it's ultimately a brand new franchise of its own. We've been familiar with a few of these characters before now, grant you, but. We've never been familiarized with this team. This is like seeing Star Wars A New Hope. You know, you, you just didn't know the, the, how these characters would play out together. Yeah, I, I wonder... Although we had some good tells. We, you know, we had a good oh, director. Sure. We had a good setup from the other films. Those other films were not nearly as successful as this one. I wonder how many people were in the theaters just to see how in the world somebody could make Iron Man work with anybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. I can see that. No, uh, man. Yeah. How do you how do you make Tony Stark play nice with other people? So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and and that has a lot to do with the fact that man, you're absolutely right. I had not thought of it that way, but well chosen words. He is so egocentric. Yeah. That, although that, I have to admit, we've been seeing him grow even in the Iron Man films, and we certainly saw him grow very well in the Avengers. I mean, he's he's, and that's what I like about I like good character development. But we'll get into that in a minute. But you know that that's one of the things I really love. Hmm. Okay, so um, in case uh, you're just you were completely removed from uh, I don't know civilization for the past year, and, you, and you, just, <laughs> you didn't know what was on in theaters, you didn't see any commercials or anything. Let's go ahead and tell you a little bit of what this movie was about. What this is, the Avengers. It's the. Have you ever heard of the Justice League? The Avengers are the Justice League for Marvel comics. I think the Justice League is more well known. But they haven't made anything in the way of a movie. So the Avengers was really a huge experiment of a story. You get all these superheroes that typically have their own separate storylines, and you put them together, and they have this one great big epic story to tell. 
together. They have a very unique set of um, supporting characters and unique bad guys just for seeing all of these superheroes put together. So um, the the rundown is this. This is this came fr- straight from Marvel Studios. Th- this is how they describe their movie. Marvel Studios presents Marvel's The Avengers, the superhero movie team of a lifetime, featuring iconic Marvel superheroes Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, Hawkeye, who we've not seen before, and Black Widow. When an unexpected enemy emerges that threatens global safety and security, Nick Fury, director of the international peacekeeping agency known as S.H.I.E.L.D., finds himself in need of a team to pull the world back from the brink of disaster. Spanning the globe, a daring recruitment effort begins. So, you know, the funny thing about these uh, these uh, studio uh, descriptions of films is that they typically just describe about the first five minutes of the story. Yeah. <laughs> and this is no exception. Uh, and I think that the studios go to such great lengths to do that so that they, they don't give away any real spoilers. Yeah. But uh, in, a, in, a, in a manner of speaking, I can see how this is actually a fairly decent representation of the story without giving away any details. This is uh, the story of Nick Fury trying to save the world by getting uh, by organizing real superheroes to do the work for him because the, the task is much, much too difficult for him to handle. So in, a, in many ways, Nick Fury is the main guy, but then he's well complemented by all these other cast of characters. And, and, they, and obviously he would be no success without his, his wonderful band of superheroes. So, uh, so uh, TJ... Yes. You wrote the review on this movie. I did. And uh, I take it you like it fairly much because you've already expressed like this is the best movie of all time or something like that. I wouldn't call it the best movie of all time, but it is. if I were to compile a top 10 list, this would have to be in there. I, I went to the theater expecting a decent film because it's Joss Whedon and I like his stuff, but I was blown away. Even, even that, even at that, I was blown away just at how good this film was. And I think I liked it even more on my second viewing this past week, uh, or this week actually, just earlier in the week, um, I, I watched it and, and I was just blown away at just how how good it is, how good it is at at what it brings to the screen, and you know the presence of every character in that story is felt to great effect. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it, and and I was coming from before I heard that Joss Whedon had signed on to direct, I didn't get what they were trying to do. Uh, I, I didn't know anything about the Avengers. Um, I know now that it is uh, it has been done in comic book form in the past. I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about the Avengers. Really? Um, I'm not. I'm not a comic. This is the interesting thing about me, Joseph. I'm not a comic book geek. I've read a few comic books in my lifetime, but not many. Uh, I'm not a comic book geek. I like superhero movies, though. Uh, I, I like the concept of superheroes, just not as comic books. So I wasn't familiar with any of that. Um, and when I heard, you know, Nick Fury started showing up in the end of films, sometimes after the credits, sometimes in the middle of the credits, and I think didn't he once show up before the credits somewhere in one of the films? I don't remember. But well, Nick- he played a he played a a small but relevant role in Iron Man Two. Oh, that's right. Yes, of course, that horrible movie. Um, <laughs> we'll get to well, that. No, in yeah, I totally agree. Okay, I was going to ask you: Do you agree with my assessment of Iron Man Two? It was I, in my review. I wrote it was an unmitigated disaster. Just just a horrible movie. 
anyway, uh, but so, so Nick Fury started showing up in these superhero films, and you started getting the sense that this was leading up to something bigger that Marvel was trying to do. And my first thought was, come on, come on, what what, what is this? What is this? This seems like a money grab. As I wrote in my review, a money grab of the worst sort. Uh, but <laughs> my opinion was almost instantly turned around when I heard that Joss Whedon had signed on. I said, okay, he's gonna even if it's a bad idea, he's gonna make something of this film, and indeed he did. Um, so that, that kind of really started turning. I then that's when I started getting excited for it, and I actually went back and started watching uh, some of the films that I had missed. Um, and uh, I, I did, you know, like I watched uh, Captain America. I hadn't watched it yet. I just hadn't had time or whatever. And 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 really found Captain America to be the probably one of the best of the more recent Marvel uh, films, besides Iron, besides uh, the Avengers. So, you know, there are some interesting bits of um, the of what went on in this film, apart from the fact that it's a a very rare demonstration of an ensemble cast, which we, I'm sure we'll talk about more as we go along. It, it is a it is a, a moment of uh, testing Joss Whedon to see what he's really, really made of. Wasn't if, if you weren't sure before, th- this he had to pull out all the stops to make this work. Yeah, well, wasn't that an interesting choice? I mean, what had he ever done? He made he made one movie and lots of TV shows. He made a movie called Serenity. I don't think he's made any other movies. And then he made he's been on TV shows. Um, I think you know, especially in hindsight, that worked in the film's favor. Him being a TV director and writer, but. Is a studio well? What what prompted them to hire this guy who um, is an unknown in the movie world? That is a very good question. I mean, the, the, I mean, it was a great choice, but wow! How do you, where where did that where did that come from? It was left field. It was really left field to me. I, I just can't wait to get a hold of the uh, director commentary or a, a f- more uh, more full length uh, making of. Yeah, you know, because that's important to know. I, I, I sure hope they don't take it for granted that. Um, oh, of course, Joss Whedon was well-suited for this, and he's just a wonderful guy, so we knew right at the get-go we wanted Joss. I'm sure they're going to say that to some extent. I, exactly, and that's so typical of making ofs these days. But <laughs> I, I, show, I so want them to go in more into it and talk about why Joss. Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah, there, th- there's a few other in- interesting things going on about this film I wanted to talk about in a minute about uh, wanted to cover some trivia behind the scenes stuff. But uh, first of all, why don't we cover our likes or do you want to cover the dislikes? Well, I, I actually wanted to get to the backstory first uh, and talk because that was actually a section in my review. And I do think it's an interesting story how we got here, how we got to making the Avengers. Uh, d- oh, okay. don't you think that's interesting? Well, yeah, absolutely. Let's then let's just move um, up all the trivia to the front. I okay, <laughs> I I liked Iron Man. All right, and and I I really liked, and I know this is where you disagree with me. Um, I really liked the Incredible Hulk from two thousand eight, uh, with Edward Norton. Um, so I um I and, and let's talk about that for a second. I was a little disappointed to learn, uh, and as it turns out, I shouldn't have been, but I was disappointed to learn that Mark Ruffalo. Uh, was going to be playing the Incredible Hulk. I didn't know who this guy was, and he wasn't Edward Norton. That was all I knew, really? and I really liked the Edward Norton uh, Incredible Hulk, and so I was really disappointed. I mean, I felt like the uh, Edward Norton Hulk was the first time it had been done right, and so I was really irritated by that, and not only that, we're supposed to believe this is the same guy, the same Incredible Hulk. This is in the same universe. This isn't like we rebooted the Hulk, 
this is the same character. The events are alluded to. The events that happened in the 2008 film are alluded to in Iron Man 2. Uh, I think that maybe even... I don't remember if they're alluded to in the Avengers. I don't... But it's certainly part of the story, right? And so we're supposed to believe this is the same guy. So that irritated me. As it turns out, Mark Ruffalo did an awesome job. My only irritation is that it just is hard to believe that... You have to suspend your disbelief. I hate it when they change actors. I guess that's what I'm getting at. And speaking of changing actors, it would have been much uh, easier, I think, for the producers had they changed a number of other characters throughout the uh, this particular film, the Avengers. I mean, I mean, and it would have ruined it. But I could have easily seen that Nick Fury could have been played by some other actor or no, Captain no, America. No no no, 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 no. I'm not saying it was a good idea or even that anybody would want that. But it could have been it could have gone awry very quickly had other uh, significant performers had been uh, taken out uh, from the other franchises and somebody else had been plugged in. Yeah. But perhaps, perhaps the reason, though, I bring that up is because uh, one other interesting piece of trivia about this film I wasn't aware of um, was that this is the first Marvel superheroes movie that was distributed by Walt Disney Pictures. I was not even aware of that. But the reason that this is relevant, and the reason why this uh, relates to who is acting what character, is because think about it. These other movies were made by Paramount Pictures and Universal Studios. The uh, Iron Man, Captain America, uh, the Hulk. So it's a, it's it's anyone's it's a, it's a, it's just a wonder that we got any of the actors to come back for this one. Uh, you know, Edward Norton in uh, the Hulk. That one was made by Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. So to some degree, I think that between uh, ownership, what happened was Marvel was bought by Walt uh, Disney Studios. So now, uh, if you go into, for instance, into a Disney toy store now, you'll find plush Iron Man toys right alongside of Mickey Mouse, you know, Please. plush dolls. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. We won't go there. But um, yeah, now that Disney does own Marvel, they don't ha- own all of the characters, but they owned these. And so that's why they were able to use this particular group. But man, it could have just gone so bad had they been stuck with, yeah, you can you can make a film with Iron Man, but you can't use uh, Robert Downey Jr. You just can't. We just won't let you. Maybe there would have been some, you know, uh, something awry in, in the contracts and the ownerships uh, stuff. I could have seen the mess that that could have created. It could have, and, yeah. And it could have so easily had ruined this film. And it is interest- It is funny. I'm going to put this in the show notes, and please view at your own discretion. There are a couple of crude references in it, but the... Uh, that video that I showed you the other day, Joseph, um, of uh, uh, what's it called? The real trailer or the uh, honest trailer. That's what it was. The honest trailer for um, the, <laughs> the Avengers. Yeah. And it was like uh, including all the characters that Marvel still owns the rights to. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. Anyway, I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. So um, another interesting thing uh, is that, you know, I kind of, uh, when I, learned about the Avengers movie coming together. I wanted to know a little bit more about the Avengers. What made them different from say the X-Men? I actually didn't know much about the Avengers. So first off, uh, it's my understanding that the X-Men have never been an official part of, uh, of the Avengers team. Uh, they've probably had some comic books where they work together, 
But as for the Avengers, pretty much any other uh, Marvel character at one time or other has been involved with the Avengers. So they got started back in the 1960s. And the earliest uh, joint of all the Avengers heroes, they were called Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And uh, the original uh, collection of heroes were Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, but they were uh, joined with Ant-Man and Wasp. Which characters I'm not familiar with, by the way. Ant-Man and Wasp. There was no Hawkeye. There was no Black Widow. And for the record, there's not even a listed uh, Nick Fury or Phil Coulson. Mm. So it just goes to show you, man, how this story has come a long way from their roots. Yes. No Captain America, even. I know know that uh, shortly after Captain America was added, though. And... uh, so yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. Humble, humble beginnings, and it's come a long way. It was create uh, the original Avengers story was put together by Stan Lee, of course. Of course, <laughs> but it was it was also in response to the success of the Justice League. Stan Let's Lee, by straight. the way, has an awesome cameo in in this in the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> he does, yeah. If you don't know, Super Stan Lee was the creator of most Marvel characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it, that was funny. That was awesome. Anything Stan Lee is in is usually funny. Oh, he, he has a cameo in all the all, all of the movies. He also had a pretty funny ca- uh, cameo in a television show uh, that all we nerds know and love. Okay, but anyway, you you want to get back to some of these uh, yeah, facts get, here? We should get back to the backstory actually, <laughs> which we were talking about, which led me to talk about the oh right of all Iron these Man. other yeah the other I'm, not, films. I'm sorry, not Iron Man, uh, the Incredible Hulk, and it's interesting. Um, you know, I of course I loved Iron Man, the original Iron Man, great film, uh, and I had high expectations for Iron Man two, and of course they were uh, crushed. All my dreams were scattered on the floor. I had to pick them up. It was a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just oh, what can you say about Iron Man two? The the Shield storyline should have been should not have existed as as it did. It should have been like. I don't know. It just didn't work very well. It felt shoehorned, and it, it, it took away from the, the primary story, that sh- what should have been the primary story. I wanted to see more character development of the bad guy uh, who is fi- you know, who's, who's f- feels like this is an injustice because Tony Stark has developed all this technology, and um, his, his dad didn't get the proper credit or whatever before he died. I, I wanted more development of that, and he has like two minutes of development in the film, and then the re- for the rest of the film, he's just there you know, to terrorize Tony Stark. <laughs> um, that that you know that in a nutshell was Iron Man two. Did you have anything to add about Iron Man two? No, not really. Uh, th- there were it had a few moments. It had moments, but, of course. Well, yeah, because of Robert Downey Jr., it's going to have moments. I mean, he has he al- almost always has great one liners, right? Um, and and so anyway, and Thor. Okay, so so then then we had Thor. I mean, these, and we're talking about the these are the films that you really kind of need to see before you go into Avengers. I felt like Thor suffered from uh, lack of character development. And a lack of chemistry between the love interest and Thor. I just it didn't work. Not and not that it. it I mean, it should have worked. I mean, because uh, Natalie Portman is a great actor, and uh, Chris Hemsworth seems like a fine actor. It just felt like the script didn't. You you didn't make the connection. There was you didn't make the chemistry. It just didn't work as 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 it was presented. Yeah, I agree. Now, even so. I, it sure uh, helped to make me warm up to Thor because before that movie, I, I just thought it was terrible—a terrible idea 
to use a um, you know a mythological god from history for a comic book character. I just yeah. I had never any interest in picking up a comic book for the last twenty years, I, to be honest. But I, yeah. even if I had, if I if you ever found me looking at the comic books, I never thought to look at Thor. And and but then the movie made me consider, hey, uh, there's actually a lot of raw potential here. It wasn't the best execution, but it, it made me hopeful. Yeah, for his you're character. right. It did, and I don't know how it existed in the comic books, but in the movie, you know, obviously there's a reason why Thor and and his cohorts are considered gods, but they're not. They're really just aliens that are far more advanced and have these different strange things and live on different realms. And in the uni- in this in the world that, that is created here. That works, and that's you know that's the way it is. That's kind of the way I view magic in in fantasy stories. It's the same kind of thing, and they even make it a little sciency. So it's not gods in that sense. It's it's just they're a more right. advanced race, and and it worked well. And and you're right, there was a lot of potential. You even though I didn't like Thor, and uh, probably won't watch it that much again unless I just want to sit down and watch the whole thing up through to the Avengers again. I may do that, but yeah, I. I <laughs> It did. It did. Well, have, I liked it more than that. I, uh, I, I you know, I can't. I can't yeah. say that it was a great film, but I, I, I still enjoyed it. I'm thinking I would probably give it maybe three stars, maybe two and a half. If I were to review it, I'd have to think about that. Yeah, I'd be in that ballpark. But um, it, you could see the potential for sure. Like I felt like, oh, in the hand in the hands of a capable writer like Joss Whedon, perhaps. <laughs> I'm just just throwing that out there, and a capable director <laughs> again, <clears throat> Joss Whedon. I I felt like there could have been story there. But it failed miserably as it as it existed. Um, Speaking of uh, the potential of a better story for Thor, it's also worth noting there is a Thor two that's in in production, right? I have yeah, and I have much higher hopes for it now that Joss Whedon is kind of in the mix with all the Marvel stuff. Yeah, word has it that he has a lot to do with um, where Marvel's uh, characters are headed in the rest of the franchise. Yeah, movie well, I mean, he's he's taking control of Avengers two, and so he's gonna he's gonna need to drive most of the stories in the right direction to get to Avengers two, because basically we've got all the stories leading up to Avengers. Then there's going to be stories after that, and those need to lead up to Avengers two. That's my that understanding is, of how this is going to work. And that's great. That's awesome yeah. to me. This, this is kind of like TV. It is. It's kind of yeah. like TV. Uh, interweaving and splitting up again and coming back together. Yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting it's, way. This has never been done in film. No, and, and it's it's taking all the things I love about TV and putting it into the two-hour format and putting a lot more tender, loving care into it. So it should, in theory, be good. Um, so so that was that was Thor and Iron Man 2. Now we come to... Oh, and, and The Incredible Hulk. Now we come to Captain America. And I had already seen Thor. I had already seen Iron Man 2, so my hopes were not high. And again, maybe this is the power of the mind, and maybe I need to watch it again. I've only seen it once, but I really loved Captain America. It was a great film. Now, you've seen it how many times? Captain America? Yeah. Once. Okay, now I've caught it three times. I have to admit, it was a very fun film to see in theaters. Uh, I, I still enjoyed it even even so. In the process, I, I actually acknowledged while I was watching it the first time, I thought that the Red Skull was... Uh, you know, very two-dimensional, but even so, he I was, enjoyed his character. It, it wasn't about I felt him, he, though, either. He worked well with the whole background of the Nazis. Yes. In spite of the fact that he was very two-dimensional, it just made so much sense that, because Red Skull hasn't had many other uh, reimaginings, you know, re, uh, you know, adaptations from modern times, yeah. since his origin, you know, of being involved with Captain America from the original stories that were written and published for comics back in the 50s and you know, around that time. 
uh, I didn't expect for the Red Skull to be well-developed, to be a, a very three-dimensional character, to be a well-rounded villain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually thought that Captain America, one of its strengths was its weakness, that it hearkened really well back to the old school. It, it really reflected a different time. Which is probably why I liked it so much more. Um, no, it's not perfect. It's not perfect in its execution there. No, the it's not. Uh, the what was the name of the woman, the leading lady? But she she didn't strike me as being realistic or, and, and because it was so unrealistic, it was such a put off that it, she was not supposed to be such a high ranking uh, officer type woman for that time. Peggy Carter, played by Haley Atwell. Yeah, I just uh, I mean, I really enjoyed an her okay character. Car- yeah, I enjoyed her character, but I just thought, oh come on, this would have never happened back in that war. Yeah, you'd maybe. have never seen her uh, bossing around men. This is true. This is true. It was a different time. Uh, I know. But and, you and know that's what? The thing. I, it's I just about historical accuracy. When that that come around came around, it was just such a ah. But you know what? We're already completely in a different world because come on, superheroes. So it, it worked for me. I I was okay with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, <laughs> it doesn't break the film. It, it, it was still very fun, and I'd have to agree with the critics and the audience in general that it, you know, gets about a, you know, a three out of four stars, or you know, about a seventy-five percentile. Yeah, I'd probably give Captain America a three and a half, maybe a four, if I really sat down and thought about it. That that, but you know, so the, okay, so those were the films leading up to the Avengers. Um, it was better than Thor. Oh, far better, far better, far better than Iron Man two. I don't know if I'd say it was better than the original Iron Man. But it was a really good film, and I, I really, you know, uh, I definitely cried when uh, Captain America went down with a ship and was, you know, I cried with Peggy. So it it succeeded on that level. <laughs> so yeah. uh, so now that we have talked about the films leading up to the Avengers, we should talk about the Avengers. <laughs> now we're there. We're there. <laughs> we're here. Here we are. Now we can talk about the Avengers. And, we haven't been doing that for the last twenty minutes. No, we well, we have in a roundabout way, and and the reason we do, I mean, because Thor really, as if, if you, need, it's the one film you really, really need to see. Unfortunately, well, Captain America too, but really Thor because because Loki comes from Thor, and you kind of get set up with who Thor, who Loki is and his character and how he operates, um, in in Thor. So you really need to see Thor. You you can get away without seeing Captain America. You really need to see Thor before you see the Avengers. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I I would highly recommend it. Yes. So, um, I would recommend seeing them all if you haven't before you see The Avengers. If you haven't, and again, shame on you. But but if there is any uh, of the films that people could skip over, just to save themselves a little time, which ones would you say they could skip? All of them except Thor. I would say you need to see Thor because you develop the character of Loki, and this and, and Avengers opens with Loki, basically okay. uh, taking mm-hmm. over. Uh, that, that would be my assessment. I, I would say it's kind of... Important to see the first Iron Man, Captain America. Yeah, and probably Thor. so. I, I I would admit that you could skip Iron Man two. It didn't really progress anything. Well, except for his, uh, you know, uh, Tony Stark's relationship to Potts, but that's not that yeah. big a deal. Well, and, and that was actually one of the a- elements that I enjoyed of Iron Man two. One of the few things I liked about Iron Man two was was the development of that relationship, which is where I wanted it to go originally. Anyway, absolutely. So, and then. Uh, but then with Hulk, because the franchise was all over the place for the first two uh, Hulk movies, th- yeah, there's not enough uh, of a tie-in there to warrant seeing no, it. No, it's just it's a very minor tie-in. A Stark appears at the end of Hulk. 
Yeah. And then there is the other previous Hulk film that nobody even cares about. Who cares? Horrible. So anyway, um, yeah, the film opens with Loki. uh, The the one thing that's never explained, and and I, I realized it. Uh, recently, when I saw the film again, and I, I just didn't really care. I just ma- I, I made it up how what what happened in my own mind. We saw at the end of Thor that Loki, uh, he was um, how should you say, kind of drifting off into the abyss when the bridge was broken. When the rainbow, uh, what is that called? The uh, the Bifrost was broken. Yeah, but so, so, so I just what assumed are, what he was. Is your question? Oh well, I uh, it didn't really explain how he met up with and then got connected with these guys, and now he's sent to Earth. I just assumed, and and that was okay. I just assumed that he got rescued by these guys, and now he's working for him. So, um, but it, it, I have seen that complaint. It's like, oh, suddenly Loki's risen from the dead. I never assumed he was dead, but but wait a minute, didn't you stick around for the brief clip at the end of the Thor credits? Um, now that you say that, it is kind of coming back to me. Maybe I've forgotten it already. Well, yeah, it, it's easy. It's very forgettable. But uh, some of the other movies, all, all of these films have a little clip at the end of, of the trailers. And this was the one that shows that Loki had already started working with one of the scientists from the Thor movie. Okay. And uh, who took a prominent role in the Avengers. And so they kind of tweaked the setup you know, he set it up one way, and then in the way it rep- was represented in the film, it, it took a different turn. But uh, they did show that Loki was alive and well okay. at the end but of the But it Thor still credits. doesn't solve the problem of how to, how is he alive and well. Oh, oh you right. know, and, and you know what? I was okay with that. I've, the reason I mentioned this because I've seen people complaining about it. I was okay with it. I didn't care. I kind of – my mind made up the backstory. It was, it was good. I was good to go. We just skipped right to the relevant stuff. Here's Loki. He has a Tesseract. You know, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, and I, I really actually really like the way this film opened. Um, I've seen a lot of people complain about it. It's like the film got going, you know, and I loved the film, but I hated the way it opened. I liked the opening a lot. Hmm. So. Yeah. I, I, I have to admit that when the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters collapsed on itself, <laughs> that was almost gut-wrenching. Like, I was cringing with Nick Fury. I was like, oh, that's gotta hurt. Yeah, but oh, at the same wow. time, you know that this is Samuel Jackson, and he's going to go kick some butt. <laughs> you know, this is not going <laughs> to sit well with him. <laughs> you no, know, as he, yeah. as he says to Loki later, you've managed to make us mad. You might not be glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I particularly liked, you know, because in, in Thor, Loki is kind of developed as a, as, as, as he's known for, the god of mischief. He's developed as that kind of villain who's, you know, he's more of mischief and not of villainy. But now, now he has that very thinly veiled, veiled, veiled uh, rage going on. Um, very thinly veiled. He's he's changed a little bit. He's he's moved on a little bit from the character he was in Thor. Um, so. That's all I have to say about that. Do you have anything to say about that? <laughs> uh, no, Loki was... Well, I, I want to say that Loki, while it's important to be familiar with his background, it doesn't help the fact that at times it's hard to take him seriously because of his juvenile manner. He He's the kind of fool that you just kind of like, shaking your head thinking, you really only want to be the villain because you simply want to rule. You simply want to have all the power. You simply have to have possession of all the toys. 
that's what it is it's all yeah, brother exactly. en- it's it's all brother envy he only wants what he wants he's only a villain because he's reactionary because he's purely out to do the bad thing so long as it is antagonistic towards his brother thor sure so part of me just looks at the guy and these character and i'm like you are just so pathetic yeah well, and, I, I, and I have to agree with hulk that he's a puny god a puny god yes yeah well it is interesting it's like because he didn't he didn't really think through his plan very well as as uh tony stark points out to him just before the end, end battle starts he goes, well, you've managed to tick us all off, you know, or whatever. And 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 Loki says, well, that was the plan. And then Stark's like, he just looks at him for a second and goes, not a great plan. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well-chosen words, too. Yes. So uh, uh, oh, I um, particularly love that. Uh, I did love that. I, I love the dialogue in this movie. You know, it's like when Nick Fury says, we have no quarrel with your people. And Loki goes, an ant has no quarrel with a boot. <laughs> Yeah, while we're talking about the things we do like, the dialogue was exceptional. But one of the the strong points of the dialogue was it constantly supported the narrative that this film could have easily gotten lost in a bunch of action. uh, But it kind of harkened back to, say, the good dialogue of the first Spider-Man film by Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. In that it propped up the characters so well. It was well executed. It didn't just convey humor. And it didn't just say the facts that you needed to know to progress the story. It also maintained uh, soul searching, you know, for these characters. That they were exploring their own, uh, you know, weaknesses, yes. shortcomings, uh, th- their strengths. This is, And, and it was meaningful. It, it was meaningful dialogue. Like so often you wish the dialogue could just get out of the way. Stop the dialogue, cut it out, simplify the story by less dialogue. But this wasn't an example of that. This is a hallmark, frankly, of Joss Whedon. Um, I, I've seen this, and I knew this from his television work, and I've always thought, well, if we could just get him into some feature films, he would write some great dialogue, um, be, because that's the way his dialogue always is. His dialogue always propels the story forward. It's always meaningful. There's never any dialogue wasted with this guy. And, uh, boy, I wish I could write like that. (laughs) I I know that it's not in me, but, uh, yeah, he does a really great job. Uh, every, every line in this film has meaning of some sort. And I really like that the film, as much as it is an action film, and it is a very much an action film, but I love that it slows down at times and, and you, you get that pause. That's what's missing from so many modern action films. It's funny you should say that because a lot of people think that those uh, slower moments are a disappointment. But, I, you know, no. that is debatable. I think that uh, a well-paced film doesn't mean that they're all a bunch of highs with no lows or that a well-paced sure. film means nonstop, you think, know, breathtaking, think, you know, heart racing stuff. I think um, that it, uh, a hallmark of poorly paced films is that they are all action and it's all action and you never – it's all highs and no lows. I mean – that just makes for a flat line. It's, that's a poor. That's a very poorly paced film. I, this film was very well paced in that way. Now, well, I mean, and at the same time, well, I don't want to, you know, give it all the glory and all the credit for having a, an exceptionally well paced film. I mean, I would say I have to be less critical of it than a lot of the others that I've discussed the film with. There's a, there's a number of people out there that think that. The one noticeable shortcoming of this film is that at times it just dragged. I, but I don't agree. I, with I'm, that not, at all. I'm not among those people. I can see why they would say that, but I just I'm not. I don't agree. 
Um, I, in fact, I would say that the quieter moments are some of the stronger moments of the film. I didn't feel, I never felt that this film dragged at all. Um, I, I am very much a proponent of, as I mentioned, as I said, not, let's not just rush in and make it all action. Let's stop and let's, let's sit back. Let's have, let, let's, you know, you need valleys in between the peaks. You have to have that to have a well-paced film. Certainly. Um, now, hey, we're, we we do want to press forward here. Let's talk a little bit about the details because it's easy to get lost in the big picture and the uh, the broad qualities that we like or dislike. Were there any specifics like a particular plot twist or character development or um, plot gap or anything that you uh, want to especially note uh, that you liked or disliked? The one thing, I and, and again, I mentioned this in my article, it really is the only thing I can think of that I don't like about this film. And that is uh, the treatment of the Hulk. When he turns into the Hulk, when Bruce Banner loses control uh, in the in the Hella Carrier, and uh, he turns into the Hulk, he's completely out of control. There is no controlling him. He's tearing things up. He has no. He does not dis- distinguish between good guys and bad guys. He's just a green rage monster. And uh, then later in the film. He becomes the Hulk in the in the last battle, and here he is fighting alongside his allies. He's he's rescuing people. He seems to be self aware. Sure, he's he's a little bit. He, you know, he he punches uh, Thor in that one really funny scene. I, it was really funny, but it was <laughs> it was it was very self aware. Like he did it. Like you know, this guy can take it, and I got to let my rage out. Here, you you take it. <laughs> um, but didn't you get that sense that in the battle he was self aware? Yeah, agreed. And, Come and, that point, and it's just stupid that. And and I've like I said, I've explained this to myself in this way that when he's provoked into being the Hulk and he's losing control, that he's gone into into this Hulk character with no control, and so he has no control. But he chose to be the Hulk in that battle, and so he has a uh, uh, some semblance of control. That's how I've explained it to myself, but I still find it to be a weak plot device to do that. Hmm. Did uh, can you? Ha- do you have a different I have to opinion? Totally can you agree. Me? See, you, you know, I'm glad you pointed this out. This wasn't something that I really considered while watching the film, but you're absolutely right. And after reading your review, uh, I'm glad you did point it out because it's one of those rare moments where you're like, "Well, I was actually tricked into believing this movie had practically no flaws." <laughs> <laughs> but then to actually watch it the second time with what you're describing in mind, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and you know what? The way I think that they could have fixed this is had they just added maybe w- 60 seconds worth of an explanation or uh, a, a, uh, a little bit more character development for Bruce Banner. Yeah, and I think my explanation is plausible. They just don't mention it, and it's yeah. never been mentioned before. It, they didn't need to do much more to really sell it. They just needed to do a little bit more. Like you noticed that they took several occasions through the throughout the movie to demonstrate the inner turmoil and frustration and control issues that uh, Black Widow was experiencing. Sure. Y- y- several times they showed that she was really wrestling with some dark stuff. But then she overcame those things and she always got herself back into control and she managed herself. In many ways, they demonstrated her exercising control the way that I kind of expected of Bruce Banner. And had they just given him 20 seconds here or there or somewhere so that we could identify, hey, he's actually working through this. He's actually getting a grip of this. 
then um, I think that it w- I would have been sold on it entirely. I, I agree. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Black Widow and her storyline. Every time I write a review, every single time later, even though I'll spend, I may spend a long time on the review, like this review I cranked out because I needed to get it cranked out. But I've spent sometimes a couple of days on a review. And I'll still go back and go, oh, I wish I'd written about whatever. And Black Widow, I wish I'd have written more about Black Widow because uh, I found her storyline very compelling and not for the typical uh, teenage boy reason that it was played by, she was played by Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I just found, <laughs> I, I liked uh, Black Widow's storyline uh, far better, of course. Iron Man 2 did a horrible job with Black Widow. But um, in The Avengers, uh, I, I, I appreciated it and enjoyed it a lot. I liked that the Avengers team includes these human people who have no special powers, but except for those that they have developed themselves, these, you know, as spies or whatever they were. Um, I like that, and I like... Special agents. Special agents, yes. And I liked Black Widow as a character. Um, I, I really, yeah, I think that worked well. You know, Nick Fury would be a great, another great example. Who knows how he lost his eye. But in spite of losing an eye, he's still their leader, and he's still very capable with a gun. Yeah, and that, of course, leads to one, one, another one of those humors. Nothing is sacred to Tony Stark, and so he, he walks up to the on the bridge, and he covers one eye, and he's trying to... How does he see these things? <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> he turns? Sounds exhausting. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I love Nick Fury, too. He was a great uh, character. You know, it's interesting. Well, I didn't know when I first started seeing him... I don't know if this is on purpose or not. I didn't know whether he was a good guy or a bad guy when we started seeing him at the end of the credits and stuff on these well, different hey, thank films. Well, hey, thank you for bringing that up. He, he, can we talk about Nick here for a second? Yeah, because let's do I it. want to mention... Love Samuel you know, Jackson. He's one of the uh, characters on the one hand that gives it a little bit more um, brevity that, he, you know, well, let's, let's, let's think about this. Iron Man is a conflicted character because Tony Stark is a hotshot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Black Widow has a troubled past. Captain America lost the love of his life yep. and a sense of 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 where he belongs. Um, let me think here. The Hulk, he you know, self evident what his problems are. Yep. Thor is trying to clean up his you know his brother's mess. Yep. Even though to some degree he he's just very self sacrificial. He's really in it to protect Earth because of his honor. Yes. Um, so there is that. And assumably he loves this character that Natalie Portman played, but no one really believes it. <laughs> because the chemistry didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, so, and uh, it was, you know, they did allude to her in the film. You know, we moved, we sent, we had this special thing that she had to go do suddenly. But uh, yeah, it just didn't work. Anyway, sorry, continue. So then there's Nick Fury. And it would have been very easy for the, uh, as Joss Whedon was fleshing out the story, to give Nick a simple role where he was simply uh, a relatively a plain uh, a patriarchal commander figure that had it all figured out and had no, no quarrel and had no conflict. But in the movie, as you see him, he's wrestling with trust issues. What is peace? Is he, is he crossing the line? It, has he gone too far? It, it, it should he uh, contradict the the council that uh, you see repeatedly throughout the film that apparently is supposed to be running the show? Like Nick has to make some uh, tough choices, and he fudges on the truth. 
he uh, he he gets his hands dirty to do the right thing. Yep. I'm not saying that all of this is justified, but when you step back and take a hard look at Nick Fury, they demonstrated that he is actually having to deal with some real conflicted stuff that a lot of people in leadership actually face. Yeah, and to be the heroes. This, I'm sorry, the heroes like the superheroes. They actually have in some ways, the easier job because it's not as difficult to summon courage and to fight off the the enemy when you know, hey, if I don't try to save the world today, it's only going to be in more trouble tomorrow and it's going to be more difficult to save the world tomorrow. So let's deal with the aliens today. Yeah. They don't they don't have as difficult a a conflict. Whereas Nick is thinking Oh man, I, I want to save the world today, but how can I do this? And uh, you know, without you know, losing my men, without you know, sacrificing their lives needlessly, without ticking off the whole world at large, you know, yeah, he's he's got some big choices to make. Well, and I thought that they they really played up a good demonstration of, well, in many cases, not perfect leadership. He's, it's all it's obviously flawed leadership, but it was great leadership. Yeah, and to go back to something you said, to be fair, I don't think the movie's trying to say that every decision he made or everything he did was right either. Um, I, 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 I agree. I think that he is this flawed character. It's what makes you connect with him because you realize he's making decisions, sometimes of the wrong decisions, sometimes of the right decisions, but he's trying to do the right thing. Just like the decision to say that he was carrying around these cards and his and his uh, Coulson was carrying around the cards in his pocket, and they got he got them all bloody and stuff. It was to trick the Avengers into getting together, but he needed them to do that. Um, and one way or another, Nick's uh, uh, Nick's ability to lead the Avengers was called into question by every member of the of the Avengers, except for I think Black Widow. That at some point, pretty much all of them at one time had to question: Is 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 our cause right, and is Nick Fury someone we can trust? Yeah. So yeah, I I I appreciated that the conflict within the Avengers, not just outside of the Avengers. Yep. I think that a uh, a lesser director, a lesser writer, like most of them are, would not <laughs> have executed that very well. They they would have taken the easy route where, you know, maybe someone like the hothead that is Iron Man has his petty squabbles with Captain America and maybe, you know, uh, Thor can't get along with Bruce Banner for who knows what reason. Right. But then it had been easier to have made S.H.I.E.L.D. this, uh, you know, just simple, stereotypical organization, the Rebel Alliance. I mean, like, what is the Rebel Alliance except for the good guys? In a general sense, we actually aren't all that familiar with what the Rebel Alliance was in Star Wars. We know a few individuals on the team, but we didn't actually know any of their leaders. Yeah. Well, you know, Leia is closely involved with um, diplomatic missions, uh, but we never actually see who's the general. What is he up to? What kind of person is he like? And when we finally do see a general, you know, like Admiral Atkbar, you know, in command, he's got it all collected. He's just trying to save lives and fight the enemy. He has no inner conflict, practically. So, uh, yeah, it would have been very easy to have taken a similar approach with this story. I'm sorry, I, I said a lot there, and you know no, I wasn't. Good. I had not really congealed what I thought about Nick until this very moment. I had actually been wrestling with what I thought about his character because, on the one hand, I think uh, I think that a lot of people will take 
him for granted and what happened in, with his story. Yeah, I, I did not think it was a given, uh, perhaps until Iron Man 2, that Nick Fury was a good guy. Uh, and then in Iron Man 2, I thought, well, he probably is. And, of course, obviously in Avengers, he's 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 fighting for the good guys. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, he he's uh, he's definitely has his issues, um, but uh, ultimately a good guy. Um, two other things I wanted to note here. We've been uh, going on long. I don't want to drag this we out too much We did say longer. last week that this might be a longer episode, so it's okay. <laughs> One day we'll do one under an hour, but it's okay. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so two other things I wanted to know, uh, no, I mean, note here. Um, one thing that really annoyed me, I mean, I, I got to say, I don't want to get too critical and I don't want to hash out too many li- dislikes because honestly, this is just a fun film, people. This isn't meant to be given a lot of critical scrutiny. And, and what's where it really excels is in the fact that Apart from the fact it's not intended for critical scrutiny, it lives above critical scrutiny. Uh, it, it's a fairly fun and just uh, well-made film. And, and again, we can attribute this to Joss Whedon again and again. But there is just one thing that really annoyed me, and it's, in, it's the attention to details. Um, Ms. Potts. Did it annoy you as it annoyed me that her wardrobe had basically changed dramatically in this film from the uh, from the Iron Man films I hadn't noticed it she wears she wears typically very polished sophisticated uh business attire but also casual uh but formal kind of dress you know very high and classy uh you know wardrobe oh, well, in I the mean, first two films she was obviously just relaxing with uh Tony at the end of the day in Iron Man I I didn't find that to be a problem but see, the thing is, at the end of the day, in the other two films, she never changed. Mm. She, she was she was still wearing the same stuff. I mean, like Tony Stark wasn't wearing you know beach shirts. He he was still wearing what he always wore. His Black Sabbath shirt, for instance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, but whereas with uh, Potts, her character really had not changed, except that now she loves Tony. So maybe that's the explanation for it. Yeah, but I just well, she always did, but yeah. But she always did exactly, and, and so I because she was so antagonistic to the bimbos that would come and go in Tony's life. I just don't see her wearing a you know shorts and casual dress and stuff like she did in this movie. Mm. It just didn't suit her personality. I didn't have a problem with it, and frankly, I would attribute that to Joss Whedon wanting to bring a little more humanity to the character. I, I hey, there have, you go. I didn't have a problem. Uh, that's with not it. a bad idea. Yeah. So. Okay, but then uh, besides that, another thing I wanted to highlight here is that it's a uh, this is a, a rarity for superhero films, in that um, the film holds an, an unusually high number of Academy Award nominees in the cast and crew for a comic book movie, mm-hmm. um, or for most movies for that matter. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, playing you know Ms. Potts, Samuel Jackson. Jeremy Renner, Mark Ruffalo, Joss Whedon, uh, and the cinematographer, Seamus McGarvey. Uh, All these have, one way or the other, been responsible for Academy Award nominations. Did you mention Robert Downey Jr.? And has he won? I'm sure he's won awards, right? Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think I mentioned him first. Okay. Maybe I missed it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just uh, an interesting collection of, of, uh, you know, Oscar, you know, you know, qualified people. And, and it is just kind of a rarity to see in 
a superhero film. Like you think about uh, the Superman films. You know, they they had uh, their stars. Kevin what was his, uh Kevin Spacey. Uh huh. Yep. And uh, the original one, it was uh, Gene Hackman. Yep. You know, and everybody else is a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. And then you uh, bring together this kind of film. Wow, it just there, it had a lot. There is a lot of star power in this film, and that probably accounts for s- such an inflated budget because all these actors uh, are way up there in the pay scale. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting to see what happens when you bring that much talent into one film, and it, I think it just highlights again, I know we've mentioned this, but it just is amazing to me how well Joss Whedon was able to make us feel like we spent an appropriate amount of time with each one of the stars. I, You know, normally you would feel like, oh, well, somebody's missing here. And and I suppose you could say that a little bit about Hawkeye. Like, I, I didn't mention this in the review, but I did feel like we could have spent a little more time with Hawkeye. But for the most part, you've spent a lot, uh, you feel like you've spent time with each of the characters, each of those stars. Um, and it, it was just, yeah, it was just, it was pulled off very well. You know, they helped, um, to help the, to help the situation with the lack of attention to Hawkeye, they gave Black Widow some some development where she references Hawkeye from past events. Yes, and and their relate their working relationship, and uh, that 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 did help seeing as how they couldn't get closer to Hawkeye. So yeah, um, <laughs> I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, there's there. I have I, one question for you, okay, but I wanted ahead. to also address our, our star ratings. Okay. Well, um, I did have one other thing I wanted to highlight, and then I uh, well, let's, let me do that first. That's that's the action itself in the film, which we haven't talked about yet, <clears throat> and it was kind of a short section of my review. But I I was really really happy with the action in this film, in that um, it was not mindless action. You could follow everything that went on. I don't remember any part of the action where I was like, oh, I can't tell what's going on. It's just the camera's shaking and there's just, there's, there's just stuff happening. And I didn't feel like that ever happened in this film. Did you? No. I, and and right. I, I wrote, I hate mindless action scenes and I really do. And I did not feel like there was any mindless action in this film. It was all while convincing as action scenes that it was all followable. You could tell what was going on. And is there I, anything in this world that's mindless that you especially care for? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was just, I was just wondering. Well, unless you're, just, you know, just mindlessly sitting around watching TV at the end of the day because it was a long day. I mean, sure, okay, but I'm talking about as far as I'm sure you're talking right. about in general mindless things. Yeah, no. Um, did, of course. Did you have any? Uh, I want to talk about favorite because this is filled with such great dialogue. Did you have any uh, favorite lines from the film? Oh yes. Uh, just man, but there's so many. There, of them. there were. I've narrowed it down to two uh, of my f- favorite lines, um, but there were a lot of great lines. But uh, well, you go ahead with yours. Okay. I, I have not congealed my thoughts there. <laughs> it's my, my. I think my favorite. I, I have to say, I think my favorite line is when Captain America says to Black Widow, "There's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that." <laughs> that was such a well, great line. And, and now, I don't, I, I don't want to spoil that one for you, but I have a theory about how that relates to the arc for Captain America. Maybe we'll discuss that another time. Maybe in the do. after dark. I, in the after dark, let's talk about that particular line. Okay. Hey, you're not supposed to say that on the actual live show, the after dark. You've, you've ruined not, it. No, no, no. I'm just talking about after we're done on the uh, okay, show okay. here. Anyway, you're anyway, the one that really. All right. Uh, and then my the second favorite line, uh, like I said, these two were competing, and they may still be competing, but uh, it's when Thor says to Tony Stark, you have no idea what you're dealing with. 
And uh, Tony says, uh, he looks around at the woods and he says, what, Shakespeare in the Park? Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? <laughs> <laughs> that was... That was... Okay, that, that is close that to is number the, one for one me. one of the best lines in the film. Just, just, I mean, who thinks of these things? I, and Joss Whedon, of course. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, third stuff. favorite, and then I'll stop. Have a care how you speak. Loki is beyond reason, but he is of Asgard, and he is my brother. He killed 80 people in two days. He's adopted. (laughs) (laughs) Classic Joss Whedon writing. But anyway. That was good. So so you're saying that his writing was, uh, you know, from his TV shows was... Uh, up there with this you know you would say that oh, this yeah. is just this, the, this, what he's, this, he's great at. okay this type this type of dialogue this care and thought is the way most of the buffy tv series is i mean he didn't write every episode but you could uh, even when he didn't his influence was there and the ones that he wrote are just superb like that so oh, okay and firefly of course too i mean everything i've seen that joss Whedon has done has really smart dialogue Really, and it propels the story forward, and it's funny, it's witty, and it, it, it yeah, that's that's what I have to say about that. Well, cool. Uh, so, so here was my question: between, huh, I, I think I think that I'd like to know what I think of this myself. Between the Batman, The Dark Knight Rises, and the Avengers, would you say it's a tie? Or would you say the Dark Knight Rises and the Avengers? Distinctly, yeah. Would you say you especially liked one over the other? I would. Which okay, so it's the Avengers. The Avengers, of course. And the reason okay, is because the, uh, okay, um, I said in my review that it even toppled uh, um, Batman Begins, uh, which is saying something because previously Batman Begins was my favorite superhero film of all time, um, and this has toppled it. And I would certainly put Batman Begins ahead of the Dark Knight Rises. Okay, but but why would you say that? Uh, ultimately, I think that um, oh, that's a tough one. How am I going to put this into words? As okay. much as I enjoy Batman, I really uh, Nolan's Batman. Let me clarify. As much as I enjoy Batman Begins and even The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, it's not a film that I feel like none none of the three films are films that I feel like I can watch. Uh, Often I can't watch that trilogy often. And Avengers, I feel like I could watch this a couple of times, three or four times a year, and not not feel heavy and overburdened by it. It's fun and it's serious, but it's also serious. It takes itself seriously, but it's fun. It it and it. I don't know. That's I guess that's that's why I would say that. Okay. So uh, so, so in in one sense, it's actually the entertainment value. Uh, when you put the one, it that the one way, is a bit, the one the, the one is more of a masterpiece, and then the other one is more just engaging all the way around. I, I, so the but, but one see, I, you I don't you like, really appreciate, but the other one you want to hang up in your bedroom. I don't I don't know that I would put it that way. I don't like the way you put that because I would say the Avengers is a masterpiece too. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just well, but I'm you, just see, you seem to contrast it that way, and I don't like that the way you're contrasting that. At least, at least speaking for me, um, I, it, it's boy. It is one of those things that is so difficult to define. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But right I, now, I know. right I, now, in my mind, the Avengers takes the top spot. That's that's all I can really tell you. And I can try I th- to tell you why. It's 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 one of those things that's so subjective and hard to do. I think that when you list the pros and cons 
although I haven't really done the math in my head, to be honest. I just think that based on my impressions of these films from the last few months as I've pondered them, I think that there are ultimately more cons in The Dark Knight Rises than there are in The Avengers. Certainly in The Dark Knight Rises. If you if you had told me you liked The Dark Knight Rises better, I'd have to question your sanity. If you yeah. told me that you like Batman Begins more than The Avengers, I could well respect that. And I kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I sit. You, 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 the, are, uh, you are putting Batman Begins just above The Avengers. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that is that is what I think. I, I respect that because uh, don't do not take this do not take me wrong. Batman Begins is a great film that I think will go down in history as a great film as a work of art. And I don't know. I I, I hope Avengers does because I like it so much. I don't know if it will or not. So I guess that's saying something that I, I I know that I can say that about Batman Begins. I don't know if I can say that about Avengers. Personally, I like it better. A little bit. I think that, uh, but I think that ultimately, one of the reasons that the Avengers is just so compelling is that it it represents a really fun film. It is just a fun story. I think that guys and and, and girls they love it uh, the equally. You know, if you're not familiar with superheroes, you're going to like this film. Yeah, my wife. Loved but it. at the same time, it's really, really true to a lot of the superhero feel. It hasn't, I mean, after all, Thor is very fantastic. The villains were very fantastic. I wasn't crazy about the aliens, but I, I bought them because they, they were such in a so small many role, other ways. Really. And because the film was about yeah. the Avengers and their development as characters. And the, the right. aliens were there to, was a, to get the story a, where it needed to go. But Yeah, this is, I mean, a lot of movies, they focus on plot. And Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, they, in large part, they developed characters, but they were fi- focusing on plot as well. It, with the Avengers, it was a great character development story. Plot was, it came second to characters. And, uh, yeah, it just, it, it, it excelled at it. Yeah, and ultimately, I feel like those make the great films when plot comes second to characters. Not that plot is unimportant. You never want the plot to be unimportant. But the characters must always, always rank first. And I think that that really is what makes this film so good and what makes, frankly, Nolan's Batman film so good is because he does place the importance of the characters above the importance of the plot. So you're you're making a general call there, not just in relation to superhero films, but you really do think that character development usually supersedes the plot development. Absolutely. When I look back over films that I like, it is always that I like them because of the way the characters are, because of character-driven nature of those films. Take uh, one of my all-time favorite films, A Few Good Men. The plot's okay, right? I mean, it's a good plot. But the character of, uh, I'm sorry, I need to watch it because I'm forgetting the names. What is the name of, <laughs> of uh, the um, Tom Cruise's character? The, his character works so well, and he has such a great arc where he comes and he starts in that film as this guy who, he's just plodding along, right? And, and he really finally takes up this case, and he defends the guys, and, and you watch his character development through that film. That's what makes that film great. And that's, and that's just an example. That's true of all the films that I like. Uh, one of my all-time, another one of my all-time favorites, uh, which we're going to have to talk about sometime soon, um, uh, Matrix, The Matrix. I like that film 
first for its character development and, and second for its plot. So that I think that is a general theme in films that I like. Yes. That was a long you know, answer no, I, for a short question. Speaking of Tom Cruise, another example of where um, it, you have a very plot-heavy film that in many ways it was pretty decent in terms of plot, but kind of weak in terms of character development was uh, the Mission Impossible 4. That film had the budget, it had the cast, it had decent acting, but where it really counted, the character development was practically non-existent. I mean, it was there was a little bit of hint of it here and there, but for the most part, the roles fulfilled by characters, the, the you know like uh, you know Tom Cruise was playing and Jeremy Renner, they could have been executed by any actor. It, it didn't take talent to just uh, be the action the hero dangling from you know a skyscraper, and, and, and it was it was very plot heavy. So yeah, I, I think I'd I'd have to agree with you. Character development is more important to me, and and probably that is probably one of the bigger disappointments. Grant you, they aren't many disappointments, and they aren't large disappointments with the Batman Begins trilogy. But one of those noticeable disappointments is the way in which the character development of Bruce Wayne kind of stumbles all over itself. Are, are, you, are you with me, TJ? Yeah, you're talking specifically about The Dark Knight Rises? I'm thinking that with The Batman Begins, uh, Bruce Wayne's development was exceptional. Yes, agreed. And then, and then it, it, from the get-go with The Dark Knight, it hit a rocky road. Uh, it, it just seemed like the Batman was the side character. Uh, see, I I would disagree with you a little. I feel like I, I was happy with Bruce Wayne's development. Here we are talking about Batman, sorry. Um I was happy with his character. Like you, he was human, and he was going to a dark place, and he needed to rise out of that. But I kind of, I, I think it really faltered with the Dark Knight Rises. Well, definitely, yeah. I, I think the Dark Knight Rises is not as good a film as the Dark Knight, ultimately. But and the only reason we bring this up is in comparison to give us a better picture of what we're talking about in relation to the Avengers. Yep. Because you know, bringing it back full circle everybody at the end of the day, they're not going to care about the aliens. They're not going to be thinking about that. I mean, years from now, adults are going to say, who did they fight again in that movie? You know, (laughs) they won't remember. And to some degree, I think that the reason that we have anything to appreciate about Loki is his character. Agreed. And and he offers all this opportunity for the other characters to create uh, some dialogue and, you Awesome cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. <laughs> he's, just, he's just asking for it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad we got that settled. I'm, I'm glad to have that that debate off of my mind. I guess the I guess I like the Avengers more than I like the Dark Knight. Oh, is that where is Rises. that where you're coming? Oh, wait, okay. So you you were of the previous opinion before we did this episode. Well, when b- before I saw the films, I expected to like the Dark Knight Rises more. I think that's fair. I, I would have said I would probably expect to like any Batman film better than the Avengers, even knowing Joss Whedon was on board. I, I as I said in the beginning of this episode, or well, when we when we got to the Avengers section, I was surprised at just how good a film this was. I was taken a little by surprise. And, and by no means is this a reflection per se on the directors. Um, 
I still think that Christopher Nolan is exceptional. Exceptional, absolutely. That was the word that was I, I was going to use. Yes, exceptional. So, but so is so is apparently Joss Whedon, and in different ways. I think different aspects of their filmmaking uh, makes for great filmmaking in different ways. Yeah. So there you go. That's the Avengers. <laughs> are, are you sure? I I think we could talk about this for at least a few more episodes. We could, and maybe we will. <laughs> but uh, I think we should. I think we should table it for now because we're going to lose people if we don't. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I already feel like you know. I was looking at Movie Bite. I have to tell you, I was looking at Movie Bite the other day. I was like, we we write a lot about superheroes, and and my wife pointed out to me, you guys do a lot of action, but you don't talk a lot about drama. <laughs> I'm like. Yeah. Well, uh, for what it's worth, we are going to have a drama that we're going to address next week. At least two of them, I know. You want to talk about what we're going to do next week? Yes. Uh, you, I, we both of us uh, threw out two different movies, and I said, "Well, let's just do both of them. Let's let's not do a lot of side items next week. Let's just get right to our discussions, and we'll talk about two films." And I think that's going to work well because, as much as I think I'm going to like one of the films, I don't know how much I'm going to have to say about it. Uh, it's it's going to be a decent film that's just a lot of action, probably. That's Looper. We're going to talk next week about Looper. We're also going to talk next week about Trouble with the Curve. And the reason I'm interested in this at all is not because of Clint Eastwood. I'm not a big Clint Eastwood fan, but because of Amy Adams. I'm a big fan of Amy Adams and the movies that she makes. And so the, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if that's an, a good film or not, and I, I hope it is. And while we're at it, uh, we uh, it, uh, taken on a double uh, feature there, two uh, two major films, uh, given a review for both in one episode. We'll we'll try to watch our time and track how long it's taking, but we do want to talk about briefly another film that's out right now in theaters, a, a very serious drama, very philosophical drama film, and that is The Master. I saw it this past weekend, and I'm still stewing over the movie. I'm still collecting my thoughts and doing a bit of research because this is a very heady uh, drama at that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, we're not shying away from them. We just, are uh, you going to uh, write us a review on Movie Bite? Oh, we, I have one in... Uh, right now in the works it's well over 500 words and it keeps growing it's just it's it's one of those films that has a a lot to uh, say about it well i hope it's over 500 words i think uh what was the word count on my avengers article i want to say it was like 1800 or something uh (laughs) wow is that maybe i'm thinking maybe i'm thinking wrong let me copy here we go copy and uh mao which i use to write my longer form articles uh, mostly just for the preview aspect, has a great word count. It's tw- oh, it's more than I thought. It's two thousand fifty-one words. But some oh. of that, I have to say, some of that, I uh, Joseph, you po- pointed out to me that I talked about the smart dialogue, but didn't have any examples of it. And then I went and I picked, handpicked some really favorites and just copied and pasted them into there. Uh, I don't know if you saw that section of my revised article since you proofed it. Oh me. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, uh, it was. It's a great review. So good job there. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, and I, I was afraid as I was writing, it's like, man, and this is why I, you remember, uh, just for our audience's sake, I, I instant messaged you and I said, Joseph, quick, help me. What were some of the weak points of this film? I don't want to sound like a <laughs> just an idiot stumbling all over myself to say nice things about this film. I couldn't think of any except uh, for that uh, the, uh, uh, the Hulk uh, character development issue. But, you know, that, there's just, I, I, what can I say? I really love this film. So... All right. Well, I think we should wrap it up, Joseph. 
Um, All right, one TJ. thing we want to ask you to do, our listeners, and I know I'm starting to get some feedback. I know we have a few of you out there. And I saw the other day, I haven't looked late recently, but I saw the other day, we do actually have a review of uh, the podcast on iTunes. But, you know, that would really help us out. If you would take a moment to go to iTunes, look us up. If you do a search for Movie Byte in the iTunes uh, store, uh, we will come up and click on that podcast and uh, write us a review or at least give us a star rating. That will really help us get up there. Uh, we want more people to discover this podcast. Uh, that's what it's going to take to keep Movie Byte going is for our readership and our listenership to grow. And so if you would yeah, help us out that way, that would be much appreciated. We want to know what you think, too. I mean, be honest. If uh, you think there's something we can do to make the show more engaging, let us know. Yes, we would appreciate And if that. you have a suggestion for a topic, let us know. We're, we're looking – we're just itching for um, – you know, an engaging discussion here. Yeah, I mean, ultimately... It's not a one-way street. Ultimately, Joseph, you and I are just... We're, we're geeks and we love films, but we want we want to know what other film geeks that listen to this podcast want to hear from us. So. Yeah. You know, I think about that all the time. I, in many ways, I don't want to take the position of I'm on this side of the microphone and I never want to engage with my audience. That's not me at all. Yeah, I, I I actually listen listen to our shows, and I like to think of myself as uh, a fanboy as much as anything <laughs> else. Because, but just you know, of, of movie bite. I mean, like I I don't want to make a program that I don't believe in. So, um, uh, if you you're out there, let us know. You know, yeah, write a, write us a rating on uh, iTunes, and uh, you know, if you if you, maybe you have a hard time finding that, maybe you don't got iTunes working for you, then just catch us on the website. Write us an email. Write us some comments there. Yeah, and in each one of our, we should point this out too. Each one of the episodes has its own page on the website. For instance, this one is moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 11. And if you go there, there's a co- there's co- you can leave comments just like you would on almost any article on the internet. It's the same type of comment form. You can leave comments and engage with us and tell us what you thought. Uh, if you have a different opinion, we'd love to hear it. So uh, and if you have the same opinion, we'd love to hear that too. <laughs> we're, we're vain like that. So uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I think that wraps it up, Joseph. This was uh Longer episode, but well worth it. Uh, the Avengers was such a great film. I enjoyed very much uh, talking about it with you uh, and geeking out about it. So where can people go if they want to keep up with your uh, other things that you do on the web? Well, yeah, you know, I, I do write a little bit for Movie by yeah, Check out our posts there. Uh, I like to review uh, trailers when they arise. So a lot of movies we don't get around to talking about in the podcast. You'll catch um, our opinions, our thoughts, and insights about them in, in a couple of articles. But I also write for my own site. It's uh, jivingjackalope.com, jivingjackalope. And you can also find me on Facebook and Twitter. If you, if you want to catch me on Twitter, my uh, handle is at Joseph Darnell. And I'm... Uh, Joseph Darnell on Facebook too. So if you want to get me there, you can just use the URL josephdarnell.com and that'll take you right to uh, to my Facebook wall. All right, excellent. Uh, I also have a website, which unfortunately uh, Movie Byte takes priority these days and I don't get to write on it as much as I would like. I write about tech things mostly and Apple-related things, Apple uh, products and iPhones and all that stuff, but you can find that at buzzingpixel.com. Um, you can catch me on Twitter. And follow me there. Uh, I am TJ Draper Pro. I am also on Facebook, TJ Draper. Uh, and that's where you can keep up with me. All right. Well, Joseph, that was a lot of fun. And I'm looking yes. forward to watching Looper. I'm, I'm going to try to watch Looper Saturday. And, oh, okay, uh, cool. And hopefully Monday, maybe I'll catch uh, the other one. So it's great talking with you. All right. You have a good one, TJ. Good night. All right.